Hey everybody, it's Bevan with a little note before this episode. I'm super excited to introduce you to my mom, both because she's my mom, but also she's one of the dancers in my Fat Kid Dance Party workout videos. And since this is the time of year where people like to invest in their self-care, I just want you to know that this is available. The Fat Kid Dance Party workout videos is a four video series professionally created possibly one of the greatest things I've ever accomplished. Uh, I actually, when I was done making them, I was like, this was harder than taking the bar. So I just want you to know, workout videos independently produced, not an easy feat, but they are up and available, fatkiddanceparty.com. And my mom is one of the dancers, which I really appreciated her coming and uh, being part of my uh, workout videos. It's such an incredible collection, four videos, 10 minute stretch, 26 minute quick cardio confidence. It's a lot of moves that help you build your confidence. Um, a 60 minute chair video and a 60 minute uh, dance aerobics video. And another way to greatly support this podcast is to join my Patreon. Patreon, which my mom calls my Patronus, is a website that is like a membership support site where folks like you support creators like me who are creating content in the world that matters to you. Um, and there's lots of benefits that I provide. So at the $25 level, you can join me with my weekly aerobics class and peek in on my tour classes and get special 10 minute stretching classes just for you and 20 minute classes. There's always a 10, a 20, a 45 minute and a 50 to 60 minute class to choose from depending on what kind of time and energy you have available. And there's also uh, lots of exclusive content for folks um, at even as low as the $5 level. And every dollar counts to helping make this work more sustainable. And I really appreciate you even considering it, but also just tuning into this episode. And I appreciate you so much for witnessing and enjoy the show. Patreon.com slash FKDP stands for Fat Kid Dance Party. Hey everybody, it's Bevan. Welcome to Bevan FM Over 40 and Her Friends Podcast. I'm your host, Bevan. I've said my name three times this time to start the show. And today my guest is my very own mom, Marianne. Hi. Spelled the French way, M-A-R-I-A-N-N-E, the same as presidential candidate Marianne Williamson. Marianne2020.com if you're interested. She's still my favorite. Uh, <laughs> Elizabeth Warren's my second favorite. No, second favorite is Ben Glebe, my friend who's a comedian. And then then Elizabeth Warren. Mom, who's your favorite? Um, I, li I like uh, Booker, Cory Booker. Cory Booker, really? Yeah. Um, he slept with a friend of mine. Did he? Yes. He was very uh, good performative-wise, but also like very intellectual. <laughs> the connection was a lot of talking and connecting, mm -hmm. you know. I hear he's a really good person. Yeah. Under, away from the cameras and away from all of that stuff. Like, um, to people he doesn't even know. He's just, he does good works. And um, so, and I've heard a lot of good stories of integrity from, about him. Mm. And uh, so, that that's who I'm leaning towards. Of course, I like Warren. Um, but... Uh, yeah, definitely. The most important thing for me is non non white male. I'm over it. Oh. That'll that'll get me from not voting. Wow, it's that that bad. Wait, so you would not vote if your only choices were white men? Exactly. Wow. I would say like I would always vote if it meant like I was voting against somebody. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't I wouldn't abstain 
and allow another Trump presidency. I would vote for literally the worst Democrat over President Trump. Well, I think some of the things that we are are feeling now, um, I mean, it's exaggerated with who's in there now, but um, is this whole privilege, this, this privilege, and uh, this white male privilege, but also just coming from privilege, this unawareness of what it's like to work and live and not come from privilege and is seeing the world through those eyes. And um, that's, I, I just can't, you know, I can't wrap myself around anybody with that much privilege. It's just, I, I can't. I mean, I get it. Privilege is really hard to unlearn and you have to really want to unlearn it if you're going to do that work and not a lot of people do that work. Yeah. Especially in politics. Yeah. Because once you get to the level of running for president, then you're like full of privilege. Um, so let's talk about what we're really here to talk about. Um, it's my birthday today. Yes. I'm, Happy birthday. Thank you. I am now uh, over 40, fully over 40, 41. I know. A whole digit. Um, it's It was nice. I feel like being 40 was like a, a training wheels for the 40s, right? Because like I still felt like a freshman, so I got to like figure out what 40 is going to be like. I don't know. It was nothing like I thought. Um, will you tell me, so this is the thing I want to just point out to my listeners is that I'm specifically having my mom on the podcast, both because I admire her and I appreciate her point of view in the world, but also because there are certain stories that are so like rooted in me because I heard them a lot as a little kid. Uh, I was very inquisitive. Was that? Yeah. 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 I asked a lot of questions. Yes. All the time. As a matter of fact, when you were on Romper Room, they had to raise the background music because you were constantly asking them questions about what everything worked, how does that, you know, scaffolding thing work, how does this work, what is that doing, all of that, you know, you wanted to know how it all worked. And so even though you weren't on camera, you were still asking about all of that. So they had to raise the background music to hide your questions. Um, <laughs> I was five years old when I was on Rocker Room, which was a regional uh, television program geared towards children. Um, Romper Bomper was a, was a tagline used on that show. And I have to say, I still do that whenever I'm on set. <laughs> I ask lots of questions. I always want to know how things work. Production is such a... An enormous amount of work and now that I've done enough DIY production on my own like whenever I'm around professionals I always want to know what they're using what they're doing like I'm you know like one whole person to deal with lighting that's amazing like what a resource you know like anyway so I do ask a lot of questions <laughs> and as a little kid I bet that was really fun as a single mom yeah no it was good it was you know we always had interesting conversations. Oh, that's good. You know, yeah. Didn't bother me. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to just get on tape, like, the story of my birth, because I feel like I've heard this a few times. Mm -hmm. um, but will you say what happened when you went in labor on the... Did you go in labor on Christmas Eve or yeah. the day before? No. Well, I had Braxton Hicks for a few days prior, um, and I thought I was having Braxton Hicks on Christmas Eve. See... When I told everyone I was pregnant and that I was due in December, they all said, ah, you're going to be in the hospital at Christmas. This is going to be a Christmas baby. And I said, oh, no, she's due the 10th. You know, <laughs> she's due the 10th. She's going to come. I will have her. I will have this wonderful baby for Christmas. And, oh, no, no. Well, I was wrong. 
And uh, what did grandmother say? Did you think I was going to be a Capricorn? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think she she said, well, the tenth, you wouldn't have been a Capricorn. No, I would have been a Sagittarius. I right. feel like grandmother would have had a strong opinion about wanting me to be a Capricorn. Yeah. I well, I I believe that she did want uh, more Capricorns. Um, she. Uh, but anyway, that that. Um, you didn't come, you didn't come. I kept getting, you know, phone calls every day. Have you had your baby yet? And I'm thinking, well, I wouldn't be here if I did. <laughs> <laughs> Answering the phone. but um, And this was back when people had landlines. Yes. So if you called someone's house, you didn't even know who was going to answer. Right. And, and uh, you didn't know who was on the other end because I think it was before answering machines. Yeah, and there was no Facebook to check to see if your friend had their kid yet. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. It was just like letters and phone calls. Yeah. Long distance. You still had to pay for long distance yes, back then. Yes, you did. Yes. And you also had unit charges like in the Bay Area. If you were outside your little area and you wanted to call, you had little unit. It wasn't quite as bad as long distance, but it, it tallied up. Yeah. Um, let's and see. Where did we live? We lived in El Sobrani. El Sobrani. And that's kind of near Vallejo. Um, yes, it's at, at, but it's uh, it's kind of next to... Um, El Cerrito and Richmond. Okay. Okay, this in the hills. North Bay Area. Uh, Northeast. Northeast Bay Area. Bay Area. Yeah. I mean, this is Vallejo, in California, everybody. Right. Vallejo is farther north. Okay. Okay. Crockett is closer than that, actually. Okay. So you're on this side of the bridge. You're still on the East Bay okay. side. And, um, but you went all the way to Vallejo to have me. Yes. Well, we kind of like going on a donkey to Bethlehem. Well, yes. It was a choice between Vallejo and Oakland, and we chose Vallejo. Okay. And, and actually, Vallejo is a little closer. Okay. And um, and it was on the water, right? Yeah. It. I had a view of the water from nice. from the uh, from my room. Yeah. So, and it, but I wasn't there long. I was there for about less about less than twenty four hours. Oh wow. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I, I was feeling Braxton Hicks, and uh, it being Christmas and that time of year, there was football going on. So we were over at some friends of ours who had had a baby about two months prior, two to three months prior, and uh, watching football. And I noticed on the way back from their house to our house that I had three Braxton Hicks, very defined, and I thought, hmm. Three and it was, I knew it was a ten minute ride, so I'm hmm. So we started. Braxton Hicks isn't necessarily. It's like it is labor, but it comes and goes, and and you can and have it up. It's to like long two weeks of, prior. Okay. And um, it is you know, and and your body is getting ready for birth. Uh -huh. It's just you know, it's not the but if you can time them and they're on regular, then it's not Braxton Hicks. Oh. Braxton Hicks is kind of like, um, you know, a twinge. Um, and then it gets more and more intense. So I timed them. They were five minutes apart. And uh, so we said, okay. Well, I had already had a suitcase ready for a couple of weeks. And uh, so um, we uh, said, okay, it's time. And uh, when were you working on that ornament? Because there's an ornament we have that's oh, yeah. like got the sewing needle still in it because you were working on it. Well, I was working on it, you know, while I was timing. While we were timing and stuff, okay. I was making uh, Christmas ornaments, and then I used them as decorations for the pa packages for people. Oh. And um, this was a Santa Claus head, and it was needlework. And um, um, so I set it down when we left to go to the hospital. 
And I, I have to say, your dad never drove as well as he did that night. Wow. He drove remarkably well. We didn't rise to the occasion, Brian. <laughs> he did. He rose to the occasion. <laughs> and so we get to the hospital, and we get to the hospital about 7.30 in the evening, and um, we're there. They, they handed us a mountain of paperwork, standing, filling out the paperwork, and I'm, like, getting stronger and stronger. Finally, I, you know, I said, hey, can I sit down? And, and the nurse said, well, I was wondering when you were going to ask that. I'm like, hello? <laughs> Why did I have to ask for it? Um, but anyway, you know, they never know. And you, know, you don't know if this is for real or not. So, um, and we went up and they checked me. And yes, it was for real. That uh, I think I was four or five centimeters dilated. And so I thought, this is going to last all night, you know, because it's firstborn. They tend to last a long time. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'm settling in. And so your dad went out and to call um, his parents. And I think he called Sherry. And, Sherry's your sister. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And probably my mom. Mm -hmm. and Grandmother, a Capricorn. And uh, then came back to say, it's happening. We're here in the hospital. It's happening. And um, everybody was far away. So... Nobody was going to come that night. Um, and then all of a sudden, it was like very strong. And this was uh, 9.30, about 10 p.m. Because he, he came back about from making the calls, we got there 7.30, got up into the room, got all checked, checked and everything. It became real at about 8.39, he went out to call. So he came back about 9.30 from making the calls. And um, about 9.30, quarter to 10, um, they got real strong. You know, we had set things up because they gave you, they, you know, we went to Lamaze and, and they said, okay, you focus, you know, cause, uh, you focus on, on, on an object and you focus on your breathing, you know, and help deal with what's going on with your body. Um, but then it got overwhelming. And here I'm still thinking this is going to last all night with this overwhelming stuff. And um, I told you, Dad, to go find a nurse because I need something because I can't hang all night with this thing. And he looked out and didn't see anybody and says, I don't see anybody. And <laughs> I took my fist and hit it against the button that was on the wall. <laughs> Wham! <laughs> and they came running in and, um, and they checked and I was in transition. And that's the last part. So once she said I had transition, then I knew I wasn't going to be dealing with it all, all night. And that made it a lot less scary. Mm. And um, so... Then they said, okay, and they started getting everything ready, and uh, we got, oh, and she had to break my water. Um, mm -hmm. My water didn't automatically break. So it, it was like Old Faithful. It shot out <laughs> probably 20 feet because the door was open, and it went from the bed out past the door wow. into the hallway because there, there was a lot of pressure there. Yeah. And... Uh, Anyway, I like that there was a waterfall upon my birth. Yeah, it wasn't water. It was shot, you know. Uh -huh. 
Wow. Yeah, it was a big shot. Yeah, it didn't fall that. It went out before it went down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, then they wheeled me into the delivery room. And uh, then it was like, oh, and as soon as we got into the delivery room, all the nurses and doctors left and a new crew came in because it was um, 10.30 and they're all going out to midnight mass and all of that stuff. And so... Because um, mind you, it's Christmas Eve. It's Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. And so I had uh, a wonderful Jewish doctor mm. and um, some wonderful uh, nurses that were not needing to run to... Uh, to uh, midnight mass, and it was push, don't push, push, and you were born at 10:49 that night. So from just checking in down in the lobby at 7:30, wow, it was less than three, you know, it was three, three and a half hours, less than three and a half hours before you were born. Wow, a nice swift labor. It was very it was. efficient. Yeah, 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 it was. Once I decided to come, mm-hmm. then I came fast. Yeah, yeah. Christmas, that's exciting. Um, will we, so I was presented to you inside a stocking at some point? Oh, yeah. Well, so what happens? You're born. I see you. I, I held you on the table. Um, you know, so you got to hear my heartbeat and everything, which is important in yeah. bonding and stuff. And then um, they take and they run, you know, they take you away and run tests on you. They test your blood. They test all that stuff. And uh, then they brought you back to the room because I had in-room things. And when they brought you back, you had a little red Christmas stocking for a hat, mm-hmm. and you're all wrapped up. And then Santa came at 6 a.m. in the morning and gave you a candy cane, which I ate. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, um, yeah. And all the babies had little reds. You know, they took an ace bandage thing and, and uh, dyed it red. And mm-hmm. some, one nurse in there and just zipped up and made these little... Stocking caps, which was dar- adorable. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Me and all the other Christmas babies. Yeah. And you beat the Christmas rush, though. I did. Yeah. Because there were like three or four women in labor when I got in there. Oh. And I, you were born before theirs. They didn't, theirs didn't come in until the next day. Oh, actual Christmas babies. Yeah, actual Christmas babies. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they came in. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, tell me about the origins of the name Bevan. I found Bevan probably five or six years before you were born. Oh. And I was looking at names, old names, and um, this Bevan was the daughter of an 11th century Irish king named Brian Baru, who, where Ireland was free for a hundred years around the 11th century and King Brian Baru was behind that according to what I had read and so his daughter is named Bevan and it is Gaelic for the girl who sang so beautifully the wild birds stopped to listen oh not the crows wild birds wild birds I always remember it as the crows no wild birds wild birds oh it's more exciting there's a lot more possibility in wild birds yeah yeah so um and it's Gaelic. Did you pick the spelling of Bevan specifically, or was that the spelling that you saw and you didn't the, know there were other spellings? Right, that's the spelling I saw. Okay, because there's other Gaelic spellings that include uh, substituting the V for a BH, very classic Gaelic spelling, like Siobhan. Um, but I like that spelling. 
I also like that Bevan is kind of a gender neutral name, mm-hmm. even though I have a heavy gender. Um, and also my dad's name is Brian, if you pick that up. So it's, it was all kind of intertwined. And we're Irish. Yeah. And you went with Barbara as my middle name. Right. For ultimate alliteration. I liked the alliteration. It was also your grandmother's name, the other grandmother. Other grandma. Dad's mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you, if you picked my name five or six years before I was born and you had two miscarriages beforehand, mm-hmm. was another kid going to get that name? If that kid was a female. Oh, it was only going to be a girl's name. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then basically me as your rainbow baby got to have the ideal name. Yeah. Yeah. Also, another thing I was fascinated with as a kid is if I had been a boy, I would have been Matthew, mm-hmm. which is a much more uh, run-of-the-mill sort of name. Well, it was torn between Matthew and Dennis. And Dennis. Okay. <laughs> Irish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's great. Thank you for sharing those stories. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, what is an artist that you're super excited about right now? Yes, I like Yolo. I really, I like her voice. It's very sultry, and there's a slight, you know, she's from England, of African descent, singing country. So good. Which is, you know, a little unique. Um, But her, and her country is very soulful and and mellow, I have to say. That's what I like about her. So, Yolo, yeah. Yolo. I'm going to introduce her to you all in an in the next audio track or whatever.
Um, I also wanted to talk to you about living tiny because uh-huh. you have lived tiny now for how many years? Three and a half. Three and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like you're an expert in living tiny. Well, it's it's a it's a it's a learning experience. I mean, you, you get better at it over time. Yeah, yeah. And like you dove in. I mean, you're a kind of lifelong learner. Let's give everybody a portrait of my mom. She's a Cancer Sun. So she's very sensitive. She's a Leo rising. So everyone looks at her as though she's someone who likes the spotlight, but that's not actually true. But it's just kind of the way she embodies life. Your rising sign is often how other people perceive you slash like something you're working towards in your life. Um, And then her moon, which is how you interact with people, is Sagittarius. So there's a lot of fire happening and it's like a warrior spirit. Um, You're also good at communication. Sagittarius love to be chatty. so anyway, that's the astral portrait of my mom. Okay. Uh, once I learned those things, it really like made me understand you way better. Um, but uh, also, you're a lifelong learner. Like, really love to learn things. Mm-hmm. Love to in like dive in. Really I love understand adventures. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Lo- you love adventures, and so when you were, uh, you know, deciding to live tiny, I think you really just sought out people who were experts at it and learned what they did so that you could adapt it for your use, right? Yes. I mean, one thing about living in our community is that you've got advice everywhere. Because everybody's living tiny. Um, We also came up and lived for a month to test it out, to see if we could live that close with each other. And It's true. You can't walk through the kitchen with someone else there without bumping into each other. Right. So, you you know, it's it's a different kind of living. And um, so we wanted to make sure that it would work for us. but the process of living tiny now we live in 400 square feet and we cheat because our main (laughs) place where we live is 400 square feet and then i have another 400 square feet area that is my art studio which is a a lifelong dream that has come true um we're in that right now as a matter of fact Mm -hmm. and then uh pat has uh, her own art studio, which is another 200 square feet. So we do cheat. But essentially, our living area where we eat and sleep and all of that stuff is 400 square feet. So it's not as tiny as some of the ones you see on TV, but it's still tiny. And there's, you know, it's, there's still always the need for storage. So that's, that's just part of the reality. However, you get... You realize when we were purging, 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 purging to get ready. Because you went from a how many square foot home? 15. 1,500 square feet in Castor Valley, plus like a pretty good amount of storage in the garage. And yeah, and you can, yeah, and that's not counting the garage. Yeah. yeah. And the garage was packed. Yeah. And the house was packed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's true. You were, you lived there. It was the first house we lived in that you got to stay in for more than like a couple years. Because we moved 13 times, by, well, I moved 13 times by the time I was 13. So that's a lot of moving you did. Mm-hmm. And then this house that you were in, in Castro Valley, you've got a good long time to stack up stuff. Yeah, 26 years. 26 years. Yeah. So long. Yeah. That's how old you were when you had me. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So um, so then we had to clear out. And uh, we came up here. We fell in love with it. We bought the place. And then we, we, were, we bought it thinking we were going to summer here until we retire, blah, blah, blah. Well, it kept getting harder to go back after summering here. <laughs> so after the second summer, I said, I really want to, let me try crunching the numbers and see if we can do it. And if this happens, this happens, this happens, this happens, then we can do it. And all of those 
things that we had listed out happened. So we set aside, you know, this was the year of remodeling the house, getting my second knee replaced, um, putting it on the market, selling it, and um, purging all because we can... And retiring. And retiring. And so you basically wrapped up like multiple areas of your life yeah. all at once in one year, which is... It was a Herculean effort. Yeah, to say the I mean, least. It, it was kind of insane. I I ended up getting pneumonia. But yeah, it was punitive to yourself, but also your body was telling you to retire as well. Yeah, yeah, because you were seeing a naturopath up here. You're right. Who mentioned to me that because I had had um, four surgeries in five years, all dealing with arthritis, which is an inflammation, and I was seeing a naturopath up here who said, Marianne. I, you know, you are internalizing the stress from your students because I, I taught students who were, um, for most people, difficult. They had incredibly difficult lives. They were tra traumatized, and I would hear their traumas and get them. They would see my belief in them and eventually learn to believe in themselves again. And um, and, and mom was working just to clarify. She was in. She was a longtime high school math teacher, has a doctorate, mm -hmm. and then instead of like moving into the college realm, which a lot of people do, mom decided to go work with even more at-risk kids, the kids who couldn't make it through a mainstream high school and be in the alternative program where you were kind of like, it was almost like a life coach, academic coach. Yeah. One-on-one uh, -on -one with kids. Mm -hmm. And a lo you did a lot of really cool creative stuff outside of the math classroom, I thought. But yeah. also, like, you know, in addition, like, literally absorbing their trauma. Yeah. And all that pollution from the Bay Area. Yeah. Next to two major freeways. Um, anyway, so so that, that really was a wake-up call. And as much as I loved teaching, and I did absolutely love teaching, um, I knew it was time. And... Uh, so it was, you know, it really was the focus of getting through all of that. Um, but back to being tiny, um, whenever we would finally, we could get rid of stuff, it just, our, we felt lighter. And I learned from that whole experience that it, you don't own possessions, possessions own you. Mm. And I, I saw my mother who had this great big home and wasn't going anywhere. It wasn't anywhere. a great big home. It was a three-bedroom, two-bath, three-bedroom, three-bath in Palm Springs, or right. near Palm Springs, I'm, which is great big for her. It's all perspective. It's all perspective. Yeah, right. but don't make it sound like she was in a mansion. She was no, just in a house that was really big for her. But she was in a house surrounded by million-dollar homes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, and she, um, and she loved her home, and she loved sitting there looking at all her pretty things in her pretty home. Mm -hmm. And um, I used to call it the mausoleum because I felt it kept her in and kept her away from other people and socializing. And she did get lonely. Um, and I didn't want both Pat, Pat saw her mother wall herself in and keep away from other people that way. And we both knew that we wanted to live in the community and not end up in the kind of positions that both her mothers went in. So this is a very deliberate factor and a major factor in aging is isolation. So um, finding a community that worked for us. So we looked around the Bay Area and we looked all around California actually. Um, and some friends of mine who I worked with, a friend of mine who I worked with, she worked at a different school but 
we both taught math and we were, would see each other at math things and stuff, told me about this place. She would go here every summer. She bought here, I think, in 2005, 2006, and came here every summer and kept telling me to come up. So finally, in 2013, I came up here. and For the, like three days, right? For like three days, because you, you don't know what you're going to when you make these plans, you know. You, and, and you were a teacher with summers off, and Pat right. was an x-ray tech right. who had to, like, really work hard to give time off. Right. Yeah. And uh, so, we, yeah, we came up here, and the first night we knew. Hmm. We knew this was the place. This is, we wanted it. So then it was, okay. And there's some wonderful things on sale that, that year, but we weren't, we needed to live that month to see, make sure within ourselves mm -hmm. that this would work for us. So we did the next the next year and that fall we bought. Mm. You know, we went home and, and uh, arranged it and we bought. So And you know what I want to say at the time I thought you were cuckoo for buying a second home cuz I didn't know you were thinking about retiring early or had any thoughts of that. So I thought you were just buying a second house that was two states away from you. Mm -hmm. And I was like who buys a second house two states away? But then when I came here and I kind of understood what it was and like that people buy way earlier than when they actually retire, I understood a lot better. And so and also now that I live here I obviously fully support your decision. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, I was living in New York at the time. I just thought you were bananas. Yeah. But but you know. when you saw it, I mean, you, you were the first person to see our place when we bought it. And um, you were like, oh, yeah, I'm all. Yeah. This is, this is great. Um, and, like, with the addition of the art studio yeah. and all of that, like, and you getting to customize everything and do what you want and make the upgrades because you know you're going to be here for a long time because mm -hmm. like living tiny is one thing but living tiny with a five gallon um <laughs> hot water heater like i'm living right now that's hardship compared to the deluxe luxury lifestyle my mom has with the what is it called a right a renai a renai, a renai yeah. water heater everybody that yeah that heats as long as you want it so i mean if you're a, a person heater. with more than two people in your house get a renai like, oh yeah what a choice and then yeah we have the heat pump heater and things like that that you learn that um, just makes makes all the difference it really does however um, and I just I just love it I just love it here uh, so most things you get you want to have things that are dual purpose at the least you know so that they serve multiple functions you um, you watch your your knickknack stuff because you have one thing out of place you know and it can get messy really quick so fast it's so fast you like yes. set it on the counter because you're like oh yeah i'm gonna use that again and you're like no no you can't you just put it right back yeah this is what i'm learning yeah slowly it, but surely. it develops good habits yeah it develops good habits it's a lot faster to clean the house when it's small it is mm -hmm. it is but uh, you know and i'm spoiled because i have a housekeeper it's, you know, <laughs> a weekly housekeeper it's so nice. my tiny house um but uh yeah i'm and i love this time of year we have you know, there's about 40% of the park are snowbirds and they leave. And um, so it's much quieter this time of year. And it allows me to get my artwork done and think and it's quiet. And, you know, people say that the clouds are gray, but they're not flat gray. They change and they, the, the, they have dimension. And um, each day is a, a new surprise and so I'm, I'm very happy here I love the peace and quiet I I go when I went down to help you move and you say well your mom you want to drive him heck no <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to the driving up here which is different I mean it has its own challenges because mm -hmm. at night it is dark 
black, 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 dark. Yeah. But, um, you know, and anything can come out in the road from the woods. Yeah. yeah. So you have different. Um, will you say the thing about how your friends have museums to their stuff in their big houses? Oh, yeah. Well, that's, I mean, it's kind of started with my mom, but it also. You call that a mausoleum, which is a different type of museum. Yeah. But walling yourself into death. But a museum is more like, here's my nice house with all right, my Right, nice here's stuff. my beautiful nice house. Here's my beautiful art pieces. Here's all my stuff. And they defining, they're defining, I find that it, they're defining themselves with stuff they have or trips they've taken. And it's kind of, that kind of conversation I find limiting. Um, but it really is. They have to have these things to show Whereas, you know, you're in who you are is the best thing to show. Yeah. And so it kind of bores me in, in that sense. I mean, it's, it's nice to see their taste. I mean, good taste in art and appreciate good, good art. Uh, but I'd rather see, I'd rather have a good, rich conversation about belief systems or something you've learned or something that you're just, you know, Coming aware of and all of that as we all develop as human beings. That's a much richer conversation. It really is. And also, it's, it really, when you said that to me that people have museums to their stuff, it really did um, kind of drive home to me that tiny living is often values based living because, like, it enables you if, if your values are more about experiences than they are about luxuries. If your value is more about connection with friends and family and like living tiny enables you to go and visit and connect with your friends and family like that's values-based living right and like and you know it's, it's, you're a lot more environmentally conscious when you're tiny yeah um and also i think living communally too is a way of like values-based living because i you know i think that sharing resources is super important and we've gotten to this point in humanity where like suddenly everyone's responsible 100% for themselves, which, like, isn't how humans have been evolutionarily. We're tribal, and so we're used to being in tribes of, like, a few hundred people where we all, like, collectively help each other with our needs. And now that, you know, we're so into this, like, nuclear family, like, two generations in one house rather than, like, multiple generations in a house or a compound or a living situation. I, li I like that you live in a community. It's, like, more interdependence. Yes. Yeah, even though... It's not an intentional community, and I draw that distinction yeah. <laughs> all the time because I know yeah. what an intentional community is. But and, mind you, it was yeah. started 20 years ago. Yeah, as a vacation place. As a vacation place, um, and from, you know, started with, with women with a military background. Mm, who weren't super comfortable being out. No, they were not. And so it was, it, it came from a different, different reality a bunch of people and their roommates came and got some vacation places <laughs> and then now new generations are coming in who are just real gay yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so it's nice um well mom i'm gonna have you back on the podcast again okay. uh this one's a short one but my mom's a master quilter really into recumbent biking has a lot of knowledge about a lot of things and i'm excited to share you with my audience thank you okay Everybody out there, I hope that you know that you are worthy of love exactly as you are. You're amazing. You're incredible. You're special. You have a unique imprint on your life, and you are meant to do exactly what you're meant to do here on this earth. And it starts with just acknowledging your worthiness and just acknowledging that you're here with a plan and with a purpose. And there isn't a dream on your heart that you have that you will not be given the resources to follow through. I love you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I will talk to you next week.